Well, good morning. I am excited to be here. My name is Chris. If you don't know, I probably should have introduced myself. Kevin did a really good job of that, but I'm one of our pastoral residents. Um, and so Luke called me, asked me to come speak to you this morning, and I'm excited to be here and can't wait to, uh, can't wait to really get into God's word this morning. But first, I got one question. Who in here today wants to see a miracle happen? Come on, raise your hand. Miracles, come on. Come on. Half of you are probably a little excited about that. The other half's probably like, I don't know about that. You know, what are we talking miracles here? Let's define miracles. But, but, but my goal today, before you leave today, is that you'll see a miracle in here. Is that cool? We excited? I love the faces. I'm getting a little bit of, I'm getting some nervous faces this morning. But let's, let's talk for a moment about miracles. So what, when you think miracle, what do you think? You, you, you have a hard time kind of grasping that. I don't have things in my life that I consider miracles. Maybe you have things that you consider miracles. But the one thing as I was preparing and kind of, kind of trying to figure out was I remember getting my, my real first job, right? Who in here has a job? Hopefully everybody has a job, except you're not alone to work. But first job, in my first real job, I've, I've had, me and my kids were talking about this one day. We were at Chick-fil-A, and I am 36 years old, and I've had 32 jobs. Is that not crazy? That says a lot about my personality, too. I, know, I don't like to sit still, right? And so, so we were talking about that, but my first real job was when I became a firefighter. Right? That was my first real job. That was the first job I pursued desperately. Think about that, your first real job. Some of you are not out of college yet. Some of you are getting your first job. Some of you are in your careers for a long time. But think back to when you very first began to pursue that career, when you went for it, right? What did that look like? What did that pursuit look like? How did it feel? Do you remember the excitement, the fear, the hard work, the labor, the process that went into to going after your dream, right? I remember when I was in the... When I got the call, and I was really at a turn, well, my wife can my wife can tell you more about this, but I was just kind of doing, you know, I was just kind of existing. And I remember getting the phone call from my mom that said, hey, the fire instructor, she worked at the college, the fire academy, was held out. she said, the fire instructor just walked in my office and said, he's held a spot for you in the fire academy if you want to go. And I thought, I mean, that sounds cool, right? I don't, I'm not doing anything else except answering phones at this place, so why not? And I remember, I, remember, I remember going and just being sold out. Went to that first night meeting. I remember just being sold out to it. I remember being excited, scared. Didn't really know what I was getting into. You know, they kept talking about paramilitary. And I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, all right. I can get on board with this. And I remember the, the fight in me that wanted to go. And so my family, we, we, we sacrificed, right? We took, on, we took on a little debt so I could go to school, right, full time. Fire Academy cost that. I remember working out. I remember running every single day. Towers. Five-story drill tower with 60 pounds of gear on. And if you didn't do what they wanted you to do, you were up and down that tower all night long. I remember the pursuit of that job. Think back to your pursuit in your first job. Because we all have those or we're looking for those. And, and think, think, what it, think what it looked like. But when, when did it get hard? Do you remember the first time it got hard? Do you remember the first time you're pursuing this job, this something that you want, this dream, and then it gets hard? And for me, that came, that came on a day of, it was the day before I had to take my final state exam to become a firefighter, to become a certified, registered firefighter, to achieve my dream. I graduated the program. I was ready to go. 
All I had to do was sit for my, my state exam, and I was going to be a firefighter or a licensed firefighter. And I was working at the time as a cadet. So what that meant was I was working at the fire department, but I really didn't get to fight any fires, right? Really what I was doing was delivering mail, <laughs> you know? But, but I got to eat with the guys. I got to kind of hang out with them every now and again. I got a little taste of what the job that I was pursuing would look like. And I remember the very first fire I ever went to as a cadet. I wasn't a real firefighter, but I remember there was this fire going on, and I knew it because I was at the station. All the guys were out, and a fire inspector pulled up in his car, and he said, he said, hey, Harris, you want to go with me? we got a fire down the road. You want to go? Yes, absolutely I want to go, right? I'm, I'm getting to go. I'm going to get to go see what I'm working towards, right? So I get there, and I remember I just wanted to help. I just wanted to do something. And those guys are walking past me, and they're all in their gear, and they're, they're doing it. And I'm like, gosh, what? I want to help. I want to do it. And they say, Harris, grab that tarp and come hold it over here. And I'm thinking, okay, I can do that. I'll hold the tarp. You know, it gets me closer to the fire, right? Right there. They're, they're putting out this fire, and I'm right here. And then they begin to, it got real somber. And they begin to bring out the bodies of three, three kiddos and a mom. And I remember thinking, do I really want to do this? I remember standing there holding that tarp up, going home and looking at my kids and my wife and saying, God, can I do this? Like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't know if I want to do this. That's, that's what it's like when we get saved, right? Jesus rescues us. We're excited. He's pursued us. We're excited. We're ready to do this. And then it gets hard. Something happens. Maybe not that traumatic, but something happens. Maybe there's a death. Maybe there's something happens, and it gets hard. And you look at yourself, and you go, can I do this? Do I really want this? Some people call that doubt, questioning. And I, and I, I think back to that moment, and I think, I think and I look at the, the parallel to my, to my salvation, and I think, uh, God pursued me relentlessly. He pursued me radically to save me. And I remember being saved. I remember where I was at when he saved you. I remember I was in a mess. I was an absolute mess. And then it got hard. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it. And so, so think back to that. Because we, what happens, what tends to happen is, is and, and I went on and I got hired. I, I obviously, I, I, I continued my job. I, I got hired on became a firefighter, right? It was great. I loved my job. And I remember getting in that job and being, being so excited about it. I weighed 185 pounds. Who believes that? I weighed 100. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Kevin believes in me. I weighed 185 pounds. Eight years later, when I left that profession, I weighed 250 pounds. I got lazy, Right? I didn't have that drive. I didn't have that, that pursuit anymore of, of staying in shape and, and, and being, you know, being really just, just molded to be a firefighter. I got, I got lazy. And so, so what, what tends to happen is when we're, when we're living on mission, and you'll hear that a lot here at Legacy, if it's your first time here, you're, you're new, or maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. That's what we're talking about today is being on mission, being pursuit of people, because we were, we were pursued radically by God. We pursue others just as radically. And we pursue professions and we pursue those things. And I want you to look 
at, as, we, as we talk about this and we, and we talk about mission and we talk about pursuing others that are far from Jesus, just like we were, and pursuing dreams, it's the same, same thing. Because mission's hard. Talking about mission, mission is, mission is super, super hard. When I first moved here, we were, we were doing a ministry across the street at the laundromat. Who remembers that ministry? Right? We'd go in every week, and we'd hand out $5 in quarters. Me and Luke over there on Fridays. Luke did it a lot longer than I did. He, he was doing it for four years or something, so I showed up kind of on the back end of that deal. But I remember, I remember being, that was our mission, right? So we're over there every Friday morning with $5 in quarters, $100 in quarters, $5 stacks. Me and Luke would spend like 10 minutes stacking these quarters up, and as people came in, we gave these, these quarters out. And you start building relationships with people, right? And we, we built, me and Luke built this really, really close relationship with this guy. And I mean, Luke and me, it was like every day, we're like, or every Friday, we're like, God, please let this be the day, right? And this guy just never got it. But me and Luke continually pursued this guy, both of us texting, both of us calling. I had him over for Christmas, I think, two years ago. He came to my house. He's been to Luke's house on holidays, right? And I remember he calls me up one day, and he says, hey, man, he says, I need your help. I said, okay, what do you need? And he said, I need you to go to court with me. <laughs> I thought, okay, I, can, I, I think I can do that, but what's going on? He goes, I can't tell you. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. So why do you want me to go to court? He said, because I need you to be there as a witness to my character to say that I'm a good guy. And I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> so, what, so what happened? What did you do? He says, I'm not telling you. I said, listen, I'm not going unless you tell me what you did or what's going on. And he wouldn't tell me. And he wanted me to commit to come and represent him, you know, at, at the courthouse. And I called Luke and I go, man, what do I do? I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, and Luke's like, well, I mean, we won't, I, I, I have no idea what to do. So I was in this really hard spot I want to do. And thankful the next week he showed up at the laundromat and said, hey, man, everything's good. Charges are dropped. I'm good. I thought, okay, good. Thank you, because I didn't know if I was going to have to tell you no. Because I wanted to be missional with this guy. I wanted to pursue him. I wanted him to, I wanted him to, you know, I wanted Jesus to wreck his life, right? Like he's wrecked our lives. I wanted him to do that. And so I was willing to do whatever it took to do that. But it was going to take him kind of giving me some. But but, but our jobs, what about, what about your job? What about people you're around that you hear stories and you're walking with on a day-in, day-out basis? You got somebody in your mind? Things that, things that happen where you're like, man, I really need to engage that conversation. I need to talk to this guy. I need to talk to this gal. Right? You hear marital problems. You hear inappropriate conversations between coworkers. These things happen daily. How about our, how about our neighbors? right? Our neighborhood. People you see every single day. People that, are, people that are getting in their cars and just leaving. My wife and I, our family, we just moved into a neighborhood. And I'm going to tell you right now, you haven't lived, I promise, you haven't lived until you move into a neighborhood with an HOA and a Facebook page. I'm just telling you right now. First HOA we've ever been a part of, and they have a Facebook page. And let me tell you, it is awesome. I mean, it is just truly awesome to watch this go down. And my, one of my favorite things during the day is to get on our HOA Facebook page and just read. Because it's full of all kinds of great missional opportunities, right? I mean, you would be surprised. People will put their stuff out 
there. They're just, they're okay with it. And I'm just like, babe, look at this. I mean, it's great. But some of you, some of you don't, some of you go to school. I know some of you are in campus and, and, and you're in college still. I'm sure there's conversations you hear all the time about things going on on the weekends at night and why they're tired, right? So think about that as we talk because my question to you is, are you, are you talking to these people? Are you having, and when you do have these conversations, are you having these conversations out of an obligation? Are you doing it because you feel like you have to? Are you doing it because you, you understand the freedom that Christ has given you? And you do those things, not out of obligation, but because of the freedom that's offered to you, because of what was done and accomplished on the cross is the reason you talk to these people. It's the reason these CO guys are on the campus, because they were changed radically by God. They were pursued radically, so they pursue others radically. Does that make sense? Everybody, everybody, everybody tracking with me to understand? But it's hard. Am I right? I want easy neighbors. Right? I want easy coworkers. I don't want, I don't want a hard mission. So think about that, because we see all over Scripture, we see God pursuing us in our mess, right? He pursued us in the garden. In Genesis, he came, and he pursued us. We were naked and afraid, hiding from him, and he came, and he pursued us. Then in Exodus, we see that he, he pursues his people, his, the Israelites. He pursues them in, 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 in the tabernacle, in the tent. He comes down to them, and then he sends Jesus, right? He sends Jesus to pursue us. And then what happens? Jesus is human, right? He puts on flesh. We'll talk about that in a minute. He puts on this flesh. Well, he can't stay forever. So he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit consistently and radically pursues us on a daily basis. We're pursued. We're a pursued people. And so if you want, open up to John 1.14. I know some of you are going to feel like we're going a little backwards. Um, we are right now currently in a series on John, and we're, we're around chapter 2, chapter 3, um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go backwards because you guys haven't been good students, so we're going to go back and relearn some of this. Totally kidding. Y'all are great students. So John 1.14, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So one verse, John 1, 14. And I want to look at the word word. Luke's already talked about this, but John, in John 1, 1, just up top, should be just up top from where we're at right now, just a few verses back, John the evangelist lays down the, lays down the foundation for what this is. Right, what, what he's speaking of. He says, in the beginning was the word, and it's on the screen if you need it. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Right, so he's laying that foundation. Luke's already kind of covered this, but he's, he's laying the foundation that when I say the word and the word, he's letting us know who he's talking about there. He's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus. It says he became flesh. So we, when, we, when we talk about that, we think about became flesh like so does that mean he's like not flesh those are the questions i start yeah so he's not flesh so he becomes flesh so why would he become flesh right he doesn't need us right he created us for his glory why does he why does he do this 
And flip over real quick if you can to John 6.51. You got it? I've got it on the screen if you need it. I'm going to give you a little help, a little hint. But it says, in verse 51, it says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So he's, again, and this is the same, same, book, same book of John is, is, is showing us here that he's, he's pursuing us. He comes down, becomes flesh to die on a cross, right? He could not die on the cross if he wasn't flesh, if he wasn't like you and me, if he didn't have skin. The next part, it says, and he dwelt among us. Anybody remember what Luke taught us on what dwelt means? I'm going to shout it out. You feel free to engage. Feel free to participate. Anybody, anybody know? Tabernacle. Good job, man. You get an A, Tyler. A today. Yes. Tabernacle. He dwelt. He, he tented with us. Right? He came down, and, and you can read this in Exodus. He came, he came down and dwelt among us. He came near. He wasn't far. He was near. He came in close proximity so we could have access to him. This is a God that, that, that loves us and pursues us and comes to live with us and dwell and tent and tabernacle and hang out and do life, right? And live with us, be emotional with us, be there for us. That's what we see in the word dwelt. The next part says, it says, and we have seen his glory well, so we have seen his glory. Well, I don't, I mean, Jesus is, Jesus is living at the right hand of the Father, but, I, but he's not here. So how can we see his glory? How do we see his glory? And I think what John is, is telling us here is, is that, I think that speaking towards us and looking and reading scripture, I think, that, I think that his glory that he's speaking of is this right here. This is word. Right, because that's what this verse is talking about, it's word. We have this. I think this puts us at a little bit of an advantage when it comes to how we live and how we look at mission and how we see Jesus and how we see God and how we see the Holy Spirit is because we have his Bible, right? We have his word that we can see, we can learn from. But as John keeps going, as, as we get through this book, as we keep preaching through this book over the next few months, however long it takes, we'll see that John gives us a little glimpse and not everybody's going to see his glory, right? Not everybody's going to believe. Not everybody's going to perceive everything that's being said and see the clearness of his glory. People, people won't. People won't. 2 Corinthians 4.4, uh, 4, we got it up on the screen if you need it, is he says, um, it says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds, the God of this world, he's speaking of Satan, Right, has blinded Paul, has, <clears throat> has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Paul tells us that not everyone, I think he's just backing up John, not everyone's going to see his glory. Not everyone will see it. Some will be blind to it. John 17, 17, 20. It says, sorry, I'm turning pages here. It says, 1720, I do not ask for these only, 
but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus is praying in that moment and asking and praying for people that we'd be able to see through this word. We'd be able to see him, even though we don't have him, even though he's not here physically with us. We'll be able to see and have him. Because I believe that God's glory, that, that, that his coming, his coming and dwelling among us, his being here is supremely his goodness. It's showing us, it's showing us just how good he is, what a good, good father he is, how he comes and he pursues and he lives among us. John goes on to say the, of the only son from the father. This is important because this is the first time we see him reference God as the son. He'll do it 60 more times throughout this book. And I really believe that that's laying the foundation for this is the son of God. While he truly is God, right? And if you do some, if you do some contextual research on this, some other religions believe that this is where they get that, 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 um, that he's not really, he's really just like a son. He's not really part of the Trinity. That's where they kind of, they can mess this up a little bit. So know that when he, John says the son here, it's a son from the father. He's letting him know. He's laying it down. He's stamping a flag. He's planting a flag saying, this is the son of God, full of grace and truth. I believe this is Beth, best, Beth, best represented, represented in Philippians 2 because he's showing us grace and truth. This is how we should act. This is how we should be looking towards others. This is how we should be treating others. This is how we should interact with each other. <clears throat> In Philippians 2, we've got it on the screen. I want to read a few verses for you. It says, do nothing, Philippians 2, 3 starts, says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see, we see a constant pursuit. Is everybody getting that picture this morning? We see, we see God continually pursuing us, rescuing us, coming to save us radically. That's what he's doing in his word. That's what he did through his son. But there are going to be those that miss it. That doesn't mean we are silent. That doesn't mean we don't evangelize. That doesn't mean we don't plant churches. That doesn't mean we don't live on mission in our neighborhoods and our jobs and our, and our kids' schools. It means we continually pursue others in spite of all that. So how does that work? That's the question. How does it work? If it's your first time today and you're hearing this word mission, living on mission, for the first time, how does it work? I can tell you the one, one way it doesn't work is we're not lazy. We don't need to be lazy. We can't be lazy, but we get lazy, right? The recliner at the fire station, the food was super good, right? That recliner was way more appealing to me than the treadmill was. That's how I gained 70 pounds, 
right? Because I got, I got lazy. I got complacent. I get complacent in my faith. I get lazy in my faith. It's hard to want to walk outside and talk to people in my neighborhood. And, and, and understand, that's about the only place I can really engage. I mean, I work from home. I don't have a job where I'm going out in the city on a daily basis. I can go to Starbucks and stuff like that, but, but, my, but my neighborhood is where I live. That's where I do my, most of my time in my life, my office out of the house. So I get complacent sometimes. My family was rescued and redeemed radically. Some of you don't know my story. I won't go into it. Don't know me and Brandy's story, but, but I can tell you, we were in a really, really dark place. We're separated from each other, heading towards divorce. This was eight years ago. And because a family wasn't lazy, because one family saw my wife broken and hurting that she was selling a home to, and they invited her to church, right? Said, hey, why don't you come check out our church? And she was so hungry and desperate for love and something, she went, Right? And God changed her life. He radically pursued her and broke into her world. And she began, her heart changed, and she began to pray for me. And I was still living far from Jesus, right? Making a decision on my own that would totally change the course of, of history in my life. I was, I, was, I, was, I was going back and forth determining if I should end my own life. And in that moment, a friend of mine knocks on my door at 3 a.m. and says, hey, man, Something told me I just need to come over here and check on you. And my life was changed just like that. Because they're willing. They were willing. That family and that friend were willing to step out. They weren't being lazy. He got in his truck and drove over at 3 a.m. And I talked to him today. He's still a very good friend of mine. And I think, what did it have to, what did it take for you to get up and come to my house like that? You know? Thinking I get woken up with something like that. I'm like, whatever it is, these are stops. I go back to sleep. Right? Whatever's going on just needs to stop. I'm thankful that Jesus wasn't lazy, right? He wasn't lazy on the cross. He tackled that thing. He was not lazy, and I'm thankful for that every single day. We have to be on mission. We have to pursue people. We have to pursue our neighbors. We have to pursue um, people we work with. I keep, I keep just wanting to iterate that because, listen, you are not, hear me, listen, I love all of you, and, I, and I'm friends with most of you on Facebook. Listen, you're not going to change anybody's life by sharing that post on Facebook. I promise no one is going to change their belief, their opinion, their views. No one has been one to Jesus through Facebook. I'm sorry, I'm saying that. You might disagree, but I'm, I believe that wholeheartedly. You're going to have to get in somebody's Cheerios. The biggest thing that's going on right now is this transgender bathroom issue, correct? That's the thing that everybody's up in arms about, right? No, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I don't want to focus on that. What I do want to focus on is, is, that, is that we need to be in people. If we really want to change, if we really want people to change, if we really want to see people change the way they think, if we really want to preach the gospel, we're going to have to do that face-to-face, -face, right? They're going to have to get in the splash zone. That's what I call when you're spitting on people because you're talking and you're preaching so much, right? You're going to have to get right there because a Facebook message or a Facebook post isn't going to do it. You're going to have to get real. Jesus didn't email us and tell us we were good, right? He came down. He became flesh 
He put on flesh. His, his veins were full of blood. He breathed oxygen. Yes, while he was perfect, he lived a perfect life. He still came and pursued us. And he, at what cost? His death. Not losing a friendship. He died. And then he rose. So think about today. Think about when you leave here. Think about people that are in close proximity to you. Think about those. You know, all of you have someone right now in your life where you know they're walking through something. I don't care what it is. You know they're walking through a tragedy. You know they're walking through addiction. You know you're, they're walking through a marital something, right? Or they're just seeking answers. I just can't figure this out. Why is my life like this? In John 20, 21, it's probably not on the screen, but, but Jesus is very, very clear. He says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. So what does that mean to you today? That verse. Let's read it again. Peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. What does that say to you? What does sent mean to you? I know what it means to me. He sent me to this neighborhood. This quote really sums up what this, this missional architect looks like. And, and, and Christian's going to put it on the screen. So if you could just we'll read this. It says, it says, this is a quote by Jeff Vanderstelt from a book, Saturate. It says, Peter instructed Christians who were living a radically different life of submission to authority and blessing to others to honor Christ the Lord as holy. That's 1 Peter 3.15. You can look that up if you want to make a note. He was referring to setting Christ apart in their hearts as the one they would live for, as well as the primary example for how they should live. He went on to say that they should always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Anybody have anybody asking that question? Another way of saying all this is, sum it all up, make it easy, is live in such a way that it, would be de- <clears throat> that it would demand a Jesus explanation. In other words, you wouldn't be able to explain what you do or why without needing to talk about Jesus. Is that, does that make sense to everyone? Live in such a way that it would demand a Jesus explanation. Why are you always in a good mood? Don't you, ever, don't you have bill problems? Don't you, don't you have any fights with your wife and your spouse? Absolutely I do. But I've got something better. I've got something greater, and it's Jesus Christ. right? That, that's the idea, the model of this. And listen, if you haven't read this book, I highly recommend this book, Saturated by Jeff Vanderstel. It is a great book to point you and guide you on mission. But I see that, and I read stuff like that, what Peter's saying, what, what we see God, what Jesus said in, in 2021, that the Father has sent me even though I'm sending you. Listen, if you read far enough in Scripture, and we'll get to that, the crucifixion, Jesus was burdened in the garden, right? He was burdened. He was burdened because the sins of the world were about to be placed on him. He was burdened because he was feeling the weight of that. He was sweating blood. Sweating blood. Listen, here's a question that, that still just baffles me today. How emotional do you have to be to sweat blood? Right? Luke's talked about it before, what it would take 
physically to do that. And I don't remember, he's better with stats and doctor stuff. I'm not that great. But, but listen, it's a big deal. But where we miss it, where we get kind of off and we get kind of, kind of sideways is, are we willing to sweat blood? Are we burdened for those around us? Are we burdened for the people that we see on a daily basis that are in close proximity to us, whether it be at church? There's people in this room right now that are burdened. I promise. Promise. At jobs, at school, right? At Kroger, when you're shopping, on Facebook, yes, there's people that are burdened on Facebook. I just would ask that you try to meet with them face-to-face and help them with that. But listen, and this is what I want to do today. I want you to, I want you to, to help me out. And I'm going to ask you to step out and be a little transparent today. I'm going to need your help. And listen, we're in church, right? We're gathered here together, okay? So we, we love Jesus and we love each other. And if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, that's okay. But what I'm going to ask you to do is, is I, as I close this out and I bring us to an end, I'm going to ask you to stand. Not, not right now. But if God rescued you, if he pursued you radically some, in some way, whether it be through addiction or maybe a divorce, a, ba- a bad relationship, right? Maybe he healed you of something. Maybe, you, maybe you, you're, you're addicted to drugs or pornography or something. God, God radically stepped in and saved you. Maybe you were just, you're an atheist. You didn't believe. I'd ask you to stand up. Come on. God saved you, radically redeemed you, and is pursuing you right now. Listen, look around. There's your miracle right there. Everyone that's standing up, even if you're not standing up, go ahead and stand up. It's fine. But listen, look around. These are miracles. These are God's miracles. He radically pursued and saved you in your sin, whatever that sin was, in your, in your defiance, in your doubt, in your fear. You're surrounded by miracles today. I promised you a miracle, right? And that's what it is. This is what it's about. Remember where you came from. Remember your pursuit. Remember when he was pursuing you and how lost you were. And then you look to the person sitting in the cubicle next to you or at the desk next to you or across from you in the checkout line. And you have to remember when you hear those things that God saved me in the moment when I was in despair and I needed him. He came and he saved me, he rescued me, he pursued me. We pursue radically because we were pursued. Amen? Amen, let's pray. God, I love you. And God, I'm, I'm so thankful for the ability and the freedom to get up here, God, and proclaim your word. God, and I know that in these moments, God, of just, just uncertainty, God, that you come in as an angel of clarity and you, you, you make things clear for us. And I pray today that things were made clear for someone in this room, even if it's one person, God. I pray that there's a, there's a level of clarity, God, and a level of love that they never experienced before. And I pray... Even if, even if the people in here know you, God, the ones that do know you, the ones that love you, the ones that, the ones that, that you've saved and you redeemed and they're your people, God, I pray that there's, a, there's an awakening. God, I pray that there's a fire lit, God, in their souls that they would, they would have no other burden but to pursue those around them, God, that they would, they would pursue 
radically, God, like you pursued us, that came in and saved. God, it just, it takes just stepping out in faith to be, God, it takes courage. But God, I ask that we lean on you and your spirit for that courage. I pray we look to you for the courage to step out and proclaim your good news. And I know it's hard, and I know it's scary. God, but I pray that we're able to do that. I pray that we remember back to when you, God, just, just took our hearts over, when you, when you consumed us, God, with your love and your grace and your truth. And I pray that we have that same fire and passion to deliver that to others today and this week as we, as we live on mission in this city. God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for pursuing us, for dwelling with us to, to come and be a part so that we can see your glory. I thank you for your word that we have, God, that we can look at, read, touch, God, and, and, and use that word to proclaim the gospel of truth and grace. But God, I just ask that you would be with us this morning as we continue on in worship and sing. I pray that hearts are changed. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just move on us this morning. God, I pray that I'm I'm repentant, God. I pray that I repent of where I've failed you and where I've been weak. And God, I pray that others do the same as we take communion and we sing and we worship you. God, you're so good to us. You love us. I thank you for this church and these people. It's in your name we pray. Amen.